How's it going, everybody? Uh, Rory Campbell and Kat Green here for another episode of Cloud Conversations. Uh, Kat, how are you today? I'm very good. I'm very good. I was just uh, saying that I'm very excited for this time of year where it gets darker and colder. Uh, in the UK right now, it's about 7pm and it's pitch black outside. Uh, my favourite <laughs> time of year. I love it. Everyone hates it, but I absolutely love it. So I'm very, very happy. But I have the absolute pleasure for this episode uh, to introduce our guest, uh, which is Russ Bazura. And Russ is a modern workplace specialist, conference speaker, blogger, trainer, and a whole load of other things that you've been involved in over your career. Um, I probably butchered that introduction, but um, Russ, would you be able to give uh, the audience and listeners a bit of an introduction to who you are? Sure. I'm going to kind of encapsulate it real quick, though. Uh, so I am Russ Bazura. I am the founder of XL365, which is a consulting company in the States, and uh, the founder of TeamsDayOnline.com, which is a uh, company or a um, community organization specialized around uh, evangelizing Microsoft Teams um, within the, for the end users. Um, I have been involved with collaboration and productivity type technology since uh, like 1995. And uh, yeah, exactly. It's kind of, it's kind of the chills just thinking about it. It's like, ow, I just dated myself really for a long time. Um, but I honestly, I got involved with what was called site server. And that was really the predecessor to what was called Tahoe and became SharePoint 2001. So I was doing deployments, enterprise deployments of site server for companies in the pharmaceutical industry at that point. And that's what kind of pulled me into the document management, productivity and collaboration space. And, you know, I kind of bled my way through the first two versions of SharePoint and, you know, when 2007 came in, it really kind of, I was in a good spot to ride the wave that, you know, the SharePoint wave essentially. So uh, for the next, uh, I guess the next uh, eight years, um, we did nothing but SharePoint consulting uh, for companies. And, uh, but then I started getting a little bored with it because SharePoint wasn't changing too much and wanted to kind of start evolving into something else. And when I learned more about teams, it was kind of like, okay, this is that next evolution and the maturity of um, SharePoint. And, um, you know, I got involved with that. So anyway, that's a kind of a longer introduction, but uh, I've been, I've been working with, uh, you know, teams and SharePoint around productivity for quite a while. Awesome. It's a good point. Cause one of the things I hear a lot of folk kind of boil it down to is this concept that Teams is really just a nice user interface over SharePoint and over Exchange, and that's what it is in the background. And so I guess if you're coming from that SharePoint background, how easy did you find it to then adapt into Teams and the fact it's just that little bit different? Yes. So I guess it depends on um, the the area of Teams that you focus on. You know, if you're doing a lot of the, like document management and list type of um you know, working inside of a team that that was very easy to adapt to because it is it's all SharePoint under the covers. But then you have that whole chat and voice and meetings component that was brand new. And for for 
a lot of us coming into it, you know, the, the whole voice was a whole new aspect and, you know, doing things like Skype upgrades and, you know, that it just, that was completely foreign. So that, you know, it would, it added a nice challenge and something new to learn. Nice. And how, how do you find the voice stuff? Cause I look at it and it just terrifies me. I just run the other <laughs> way. <laughs> I don't know about you. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it still terrifies me a bit. <laughs> so, it's, it's not my favorite part of teams by any means. Yeah. You know, I, I do like the meetings component of it and, you know, just the collaboration in a, you know, the, the meetings that, uh, you know, having whiteboards and those type of things from that perspective, but true and doing true, like PBX integrations and all is gives me, still gives me the chills. <laughs> I look for somebody else <laughs> with that stuff, that piece of it. Definitely. I, I did think the same, but I, my, my role at my current organization has pushed me into, uh, yeah, that area. So I'm dabbling more and talking about SIP trunks and SBCs and mm. whew. <laughs> right. uh, it, you can turn it, you can turn it into a fun topic when you look at the end user features and things like that. But uh, yeah, the back end stuff tends to, to be a bit um, tough to grasp. So in terms of teams, you mentioned you like the meeting and the collaboration aspect. Would you say that's your favorite part of Teams then? Um, yeah, um, um, I would say it was my favorite part of it. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, especially like with the work that I'm doing with Teams Day Online and all with it is that's basically how we run all of our events. And, you know, we initially, we were using the, um, um, you know, live live event capabilities inside of Teams for the first couple Teams Day Online events that we did. And it was partially because of the scale that we needed to meet them with. But as the meetings capabilities improved and this and the capability to scale them has improved, we've really switched over to everything to doing everything as a Teams meeting. And um, you have all the collaboration capabilities, the document sharing capabilities, every, so everybody within the, the team has that same, sorry, everybody within the meeting has all those capabilities um, of you know, sharing information and collaborating. So it's a really, uh, a, a, a really robust environment for holding meetings online. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on live events, actually, because we've obviously we've got webinars that have come out, which is great. Um, and I actually hear a lot of mixed reviews when it comes to using live events. Um, I use live events quite often for webinars, public facing webinars. I think it works great. But a lot yep. of people I've spoken to have different opinions. So are you a kind of advocate for live events or do you prefer to use other the other features of Teams? Other well, I, so I would say I'm an advocate for both. And it's a matter of picking which one's right for your event that you're doing. Um, you know, especially, um, you know, large internet-based events or large corporate organizations that have a, you know, they'll have like a CEO meeting that's for 100,000 or 200,000 employees. You can't do that type of thing with um, a, a Teams meeting. You know, it's just way beyond the scale. So, you know, live event fits into that. It's also, um, live event is a good fit for where you want it to be more of a one-way communication um, and just have chat for like Q&A and that's it. So, it's, you know, more of that webinar format, um, it's it's great for that type of event. And, you know, I would say preferred for that. But 
any type of uh, event that you have that you want it to be you know more collaborative more communication you want to literally see each other and you know like being in a meeting room at your company that's where the team's meetings fit in much better so you know when we did the team stay online what we found is that we really wanted to make it more of a community that where everybody was able to you know share information and ask questions of each other and things and you don't get that with the live events but you do get it with the teams meetings yeah can you you mentioned teams on stay online there so can you tell us a little bit more about that because i know it's teams day online four which is on the 17th and 18th of November, but what, what is the event? What can people expect from it? Exactly. So, um, yeah, so this is our fourth event and every event that we've done has grown larger. It's a global community. Um, this time we have, um, well, we always have several Microsoft speakers, um, but on, on day one, we have Dan Holm and Ethan Lee that will be, um, talking about building communities and culture using Teams and Yammer integration um, and how you know how you can use Yammer to build a online community. So that's uh, that it's inside of Teams. And so that's that's the day one keynote. And then day two, we have Chris McNulty from Microsoft that will be talking about Viva and everything about Microsoft's new employee experience platform and what that brings to the table. And I mentioned earlier kind of like about the maturity model of these of these platforms. And like when I go back to it, thinking back to that beginning, you've got site server, you've got SharePoint, you've got Teams, and you got Viva. And it's that next evolution in what we've been doing with the technology. So I'm really excited to have Chris in uh, for that day two keynote. But beyond that, we have about 55 speakers across two days. There's eight tracks each day. Um, other speakers are like Joel Olson, Christian Buckley. Um, you know, we just have we have a big handful cat speaking. Um, we have we have a, uh, a, a great handful of community speakers that are um, going to be joining us. So we're excited about it. Sounds great. Such a great, great speaker yeah. on there as well, Chris McNulty. Fabulous. <laughs> yeah, what is it? Uh, what is it you're going to be speaking about at the Teams Day, Cat? I think I'm doing the data loss prevention and Teams session. Cool. Um, so make sure you register to watch me speak. I did speak at the last one as well, Teams Day Online Three. You, you can see Russ; I'm a big fan <laughs> of the conference. I tend to join them and then speak at them as well. Um, and yeah, they're always always really great. Uh, the speakers are great. The sessions are really useful. Um, and especially a time like this to keep up to date with lots of new changes happening to Teams, new features. It's a great time to join the event. Um, so. Yeah, if there was a little plug, here it is uh, for the Tuesday online. So, how can people uh, get in touch and register if they're looking to to join this the event? So, the best way to register is teams10x.com, and that's the registration website. Um, has all the information of, about the event, and um, so that that's our that's the website. That's where to go. And um, registration's open now, and um, you know, we'll stay open through through the event. So the event's November 17th and 18th. 
Fab. I'll put the link in the show notes so our audience can, they don't have to remember that. They could just click on it. <laughs> so. Great. Yeah, for sure. Great. That'll make it easy. What, one thing I'd like to ask, can, can I come in off, off the back of that comment about doing the DLP uh, presentation? Because it's a conversation I occasionally have with customers who are a little bit hesitant to make that move to Teams, to SharePoint Online, to the cloud in general. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think when I was doing my little kind of uh, homework, uh, am I right that you've got the CISP qualification to the CISSP? So you obviously must be familiar with your security stuff, right? And you obviously take it seriously. I'm just wondering, do you have any kind of advice for customers or for users that do have that, um, what would you say, the nerves about starting to store their files, things in SharePoint online and Teams? Like, are the security concerns they have about putting that data up into the cloud into someone else's data center, are they valid concerns? I don't think they are valid concerns. Or at one point in the time, I would definitely agree that they were valid concerns. But what we've seen is just the evolution of that technology. And, um, you know, it's actually what's there now is more secure than what people, a lot of companies have in their environments. And because somebody could come in and take a, take a, you know, a USB drive and dump all kinds of data on it and walk out with it. Um, if they use the technology, the DLP technology and all um, to manage that information, they can control, you know, who's able to access, not just from a security perspective, who's able to access it, but like what they can do with that document once they take it offline. So if they put it down onto a USB drive, they won't be able to open it or anything. So it helps companies a lot with uh, protecting their intellectual property and gives them a lot of those features. It's across the Microsoft 365 platform too. So it's not just SharePoint, it's not just Teams, it's basically all across um, all across um, the, the platform. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with you. Uh, it's just, I find that as well, that the way that Microsoft, not just Microsoft, but the way that uh, the investment goes with 365 and into Teams and things, the on-prem way of doing things, it's just not getting the same level of investment now, right? So any advancements in that DLP, in that data security, it's all happening in Azure and then 365 first. So that's, yep. I guess, just if I'm thinking out loud, that's one of the other arguments I kind of have of saying, well, maybe your on-prem isn't as secure as you think it is, right? And just because it's uh, the way you've always done it doesn't necessarily make it inherently secure. Exactly. And I mean, from a security perspective, it, it's, you know, we, that's, that's basically what we try and teach our customers and all is that on-prem is not secure. And, you know, everybody used to have this idea before, like before the internet or before it was so, so, so much use as the internet um, that, you know, your network was more secure because nobody else, it's like turning the computer off or unplugging the computer. Nobody else could <laughs> access it. So, you know, it was it was inherently more secure, but now it's it's completely opposite. And I remember, I don't know, you know, 2013, you know, going to the Microsoft Partners Conference and them basically promoting the cloud and how the updates were going to happen quicker in the cloud than what was going to happen on prem and how the, all the features and investment and everything was going to go to cloud. I'm like, no, nah, you know what? I'm not sure that's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe it's going to take longer. Well, it happened quick. They were they were 
right on target. And, you know, COVID just accelerated all that. So, yeah. Uh, yep. Because the advantage you've got, you only kind of need to look. I mean, it feels like every week now I go on Twitter and I see some kind of new exchange on prem vulnerability. And then you read the details and it says not applicable to Office 365 because Microsoft have already patched it for you. So you right. get. You, you get that cutting edge of staying on top of the patches without even need to lift a finger. Exactly. You know, it's um, from a business perspective, in it, it's hurt a lot of companies, companies that manage service providers that were, you know, they were managing all these big environments um, that that's all that work is going away for companies that are in the cloud. Um, and, you know, that's just good. That that trend is going to continue. But I, I view it as a, a good thing because it allows us to focus, you know, before we were focused on like deploying patches and all for customers. Now we're focused on deploying solutions for customers. We can spend that same amount of time with that customer, you know, understanding their business problems and solving, you know, help, helping put solutions in place. Yeah. No, it, it's a good point. It's about focusing the resource on the stuff that gives you the real value, right? Exactly, exactly. So I don't know when when we were generating a lot of revenue from those from that type of work. I don't know that I would have agreed with Microsoft so easily. <laughs> um, but it, it's actually it has allowed us to be more uh, proactive with our customers and focus on things that really make a difference for them. So it's important. Do you think that um, have you have you heard of customers or people having those concerns with Microsoft Viva? the security and compliance concerns? Uh, I not really, it's not. No, not really. I'm, I, but I, I would say it's so early in the game for Viva mm -hmm. that uh, we've got a couple good-sized companies, not not huge enterprises, but a couple good-sized companies that are uh, running Viva. But mostly, I mean, Viva Connections is really is really what's there. So at this, at this point, yeah. that's what uh, – and that there's – you know, that, that's basically the integration with Teams between SharePoint to bring your SharePoint intranet into Teams. Um, so I don't think companies think about security with that because it's, uh, it's, it's SharePoint. It's already secure to the way they want it. We're just surfacing it up inside of Teams. But I think as the Viva platform evolves and you get more into you know, some of like the insights capabilities. And yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of employees push back against some of the insights because what do you mean my manager knows how many hours I'm actually productive? And, you know, who who determines productive and things like that? That yeah. um, I, I think that's where that's going to come up a, a lot more. But we're, I don't think we're quite, we're just getting started with that. I just I was on a customer workshop today and that exact statement came up. So I showed hybrid working and I just did some click throughs of Viva to show them what it's all about. And they said, oh, our, our culture is not like that. They're not going to want to be spied on. Right. Yeah. I was like, no, it's the telemetry of using Office 365. And they were like, people aren't going to like it. That exact thing came up literally today. So. Uh, I think you're definitely right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think that's going to be one of the big areas that's go it's going to be a concern. But I think it can be, I think that can be addressed too. That it's a that they're they're focusing it not on being spyware, but they're focusing it on, you know, helping the employee do things like 
you know, just shut down at the end of the day. You know, okay, at 4.30, I'm getting a notification from Insights telling me that it's time to wrap up. And, you know, so instead of spending, like I I used to work a lot of times, I mean, it's just 4.30, 5.30, 6.30, you know, like you guys, you're, you're online now and still going. Well, at some point, it's nice to have that reminder that like, hey, time to start wrapping your day up so you can go spend time with your family. No, that, that's a good point. You you quite often find that a lot of companies, uh, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk when it comes to work-life balance, right? And so no. if you actually give them the data and you say, here's the number of meetings and things that are still continuing on past your working hours, that might be good to see. And it kind of reminded me when you were talking about how folks might, that you mentioned, Kat, that idea that folks are spying on me. I don't know if you guys caught this, but I think it was earlier this year or late last year, there was a bit of a controversy microsoft have this thing called the productivity score uh right and some journalists got a hold of the fact that microsoft have a tool called the productivity score and it rates people based on really what it does is it rates them based on how much are they using microsoft tools right it says how much you're using sharepoint how much using meetings yada 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 but the idea that you could score a human being on their productivity that the optics of it weren't good, right? Right. And so that caused a bit of a revolt. And you do wonder when Diva gets a bit more adoption behind it and people start getting emails telling them about all this kind of stuff, what will they think about it, right? Will they think it's just a bit too creepy? And then part of me also wonders how accurate is it, how accurate is it going to be? Because yeah. I've certainly had the kind of emails that you get from the 365 service and they're useful in a lot of cases but then sometimes it'll tell you oh you had six hours focus time and i'm like no i didn't (laughs) (laughs) no i did not so yeah you you had six hours on your calendar but it didn't work out that way right (laughs) exactly yeah Yeah, i think that um i think it's again it's that evolution of technology and it's the evolution of a modern um workplace employee um too you know some companies are going to adapt it adapt to it and adopt it much quicker than others um just because of where they're at you know just an example one and a company like Microsoft basically said, look, you know, we, we implemented teams globally across the enterprise within a couple months. Well, okay. One, it's your product, but you know, you've got a very um, technically savvy group of employees, even the ones that aren't technicians, you know, they're very adept in using technology. Whereas you have other companies that are like manufacturing companies that where give them an iPad or give them a, a surface and they don't know what to do with it because it's, you know, it's something brand new. So, you know, different companies are going to adopt the technology faster and, you know, what their employees think of that technology is, is going to be driven by their culture and all there. So, um, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, like the, one of the things that I like about it that I see every day is you, we all get the Cortana emails in the morning that basically tell us, you know, okay, these are your open tasks and things that you, you, they, according to, you know, your emails and stuff, this is what you said you were supposed to do or been working on. How's it going? Well, for me, that's great because, you know, I just trying to remember everything has always been, you know, a challenge. So now just getting that every day, it's like, say, okay, I can prioritize, you know, what things I need to do today. And it's a, um, 
and that's all part of that, you know, the Microsoft 365 platform. And I, you know, so when people think about things like Viva and they're getting stuff like that, you know, th there's pluses to it too. And, you know, it's not like, you know, it, it's really not spying on you. Yep. Yep. Definitely agree. The Katana emails can be really good because I forget everything. Sorry. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> I the same. I like I like the Cortana emails. I think Insights is is absolutely great. And I actually didn't think the productivity score either was really rating people. I thought it was more to show how people are using the technology. Um, and I used to help with adoption change management for customers. And that was a when they introduced that, yeah. it's a great tool to measure your success. Of totally agree. Well, it is the, the, the problem is that's exactly what it does. It's great for folk that are forcing or trying to drive that adoption. <laughs> <laughs> Four right. Geez, that sounds nasty. But yeah, <laughs> it just, it's it's the optics of it, right? From someone mm, that yeah. isn't as familiar with it as we are. That wait a minute, you have a thing called a productivity score, and you're tracking what we're all doing. Score, to yeah. it's just it's it's simply a perception thing, yeah. uh, and I guess it's the responsibility of folks that are driving that team's adoption to be empathetic with the users and not make it look like you're just kind of uh, forcing the tech on them, right? And like you said, Russ, it's going to it's gonna vary from company to company and kind of almost from industry to industry. You know, some industries are far more eager to adopt the new tech than other ones. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, that's what, that's what, that's the part of it that really stands out to me is, you know, you go into one company one day and, you know, just the, 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 the level of knowledge and adoption uh, by the employees or their willingness to adopt new changes and all as they come out is, you know, it's, it, it's great. I mean, they're, they're, they're very innovative and looking to leverage that technology to solve new business problems. And you just, then you go into another company the very next day and it's just, the culture is completely different. And, um, you know, so how do you drive adoption in those, you know, mm -hmm in those two different companies, the, the approach to it is completely different um, because in one case, you're just trying to get them to, you know, Hey, open up SharePoint to do this, <laughs> you know, uh, instead of storing your document on your desktop or putting it in an email, do this with it, you know, very basic things. Um, whereas in other companies, you know, that's, we're way, we've been way behind that beyond that for years. So so I guess this is probably a question for both of you guys then who because you you know you both focus on teams adoption really is if you have that customer that environment that is uh you know like stone age you know <laughs> they're still doing things as if uh you know uh teams in office 365 didn't even exist where do you where do you even start there how do you take one someone that's you know they're only using email they're only using on-prem file servers how do you then slowly transform them into the modern way of doing things no pressure <laughs> um, well i'll jump in there then so sure. i um usually if we have a, an organization who's moving to microsoft 365 they uh, are using everything it's a total digital transformation for them one of the things that we think is important is for users to understand the benefits of moving to a new technology. So we focus on uh, use cases and what's in it for me. So we would look at what they're doing, what processes they're doing. They might be doing projects within their email. Then they email everybody, they attach files, files are lost. And the email, they forget to copy someone in. 
And essentially, if we were going to do any kind of training or anything like that, we would show them how much time they would save and how it can benefit them moving that conversation into something like Teams. So from the end user perspective, when I kind of do training and things like that, it's about positioning real life work scenarios and the benefits to moving across. Um, and that's where I would really start is use case scenarios. I'm not sure, Russ, if you just uh, something different. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree with you. It's, it's finding their pain and being able to communicate what's in it for them. And, you know, the, the similar, similar scenario that I've used as, you know, for years as, as an example of the problem is you have a project manager that takes a, you know, they put together a draft of a document or a project plan, and then they send it out through email. Well, everybody, if you're sending it out to 10 people, now you've got 11 copies of that document. Well, then those 10 people make changes to it, and they're probably saving, you know, the original version and the edited version, and then they're sending it back to the poor project manager that needs to take all of those changes and consolidate them into a single document and guess what happens to it then? Then it goes back to everybody again for approval and review. And, you know, you have to keep. So how much time do you lose in that? And, you know, who has the right document and stuff? So whereas, you know, with now you put something like that in SharePoint and everybody can go in and at runtime be able to edit it and make changes and see what changes that the others are making um, so that, you know, saves everybody all of that time and ultimately saving the company that time, saving them dollars. But, you know, what can they do with that time to help grow the company that they weren't able to do before because they were too busy, you know, consolidating information. Um, so, you know, I think that's a, a great, great place to start with companies. And this is the dreaded reply all on emails. And then you've got like 50 emails in your inbox that are not even relevant really to you. You're just on there as an FYI and you've got yeah. 50 notifications coming through. Um, it's not, it's just not productive. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, I think one of the things with teams that's going it, to, and it, it's, I would say I haven't seen it as much as I would expect, but um, the whole concept of the modern workplace where um Teams basically becomes the place that they start their day. And everybody is so stuck into Outlook that, you know, the first thing they do is they open Outlook in the morning. Getting them out of that and getting them into Teams, that, that Teams becomes that single um, looking paint, single pane of glass, pane of glass into everything they do. And you know, where they go for how to get their day started is something that like as companies do more and more integrations with their SharePoint environments, like, you know, with Viva Connections and um, pulling those capabilities in as well as other third party applications like ADP or Salesforce. And as as that team's environment matures, that where that stuff is becoming surfaced up and like, you know, you can put Outlook inside of Teams. Yet most companies that I've gone into do not have it or not using it inside of Teams. They still use it as a separate application. So, you know, as that stuff all starts consolidating into Teams, then you're going to stop, you know, people are going to stop spending as much time in Outlook directly. They'll spend that time in Teams, but be able to access all of the email capabilities 
um, that they're accustomed to, but they're accessing it from Teams. So that's as companies and individuals continue to evolve and that technology matures within that company, you know, you're going to see more and more going in that direction, but it's, it's going to take time. And I mean, COVID, COVID, I mean, what it did in terms of um, digital transformation of companies that would, you know, because they were forced into it, they didn't have a ch choice. I mean, it was amazing at how fast companies adopted, you know, teams. Um, I've never seen any product that Microsoft adopted anywhere near as quick. I don't think any of us have, um, but it, they were forced into it is what happened. And, um, you know, going forward, you know, that technology, now that it's there, it'll be as that foundation, but it's going to evolve. And, you know, when they start pulling more of the other information in, that's going to continue to help with the adoption and, you know, now I think at some point, I don't know when, but I think at some point you're, people are going to say, what's Outlook? And, you know, or, or they'll think of it as Teams Outlook, you know, Outlook for Teams, something like that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it, it's a good point. And email is one of those things. It's like, how do you know if it'll ever go away? But you certainly feel that as the new generation of the workforce comes in, uh, they might have used a bit of email through their education, but they're sure. more familiar with all the social media. And Teams feels a lot more like the social media, that kind of instant message and response kind of concept than email does. Email feels quite a bit alien to a lot of folks. Uh, and understanding the culture of email, that actually takes quite a long time for someone that's never really used it, right? Yeah, that's uh, a great point. Yep. Yeah. I, one of the things you mentioned there was that obviously uh, COVID it really forced a lot of folks' hands and Teams adoption just went crazy, right? The fastest adopted product at that scale in Microsoft history. Um, for the companies, uh, that a lot of companies really just had to rush it, right? They had no choice because if they didn't rush it, their business would stop being productive. Now that things are starting to settle, what are some of the best ways that if you've rushed it and you might not have done things quite right and according to best practice, what are some of the best things that folks can start doing now to say, okay, well, here's where we need to head. Here's what we need to fix from that rush job. Yeah. So um, governance is what they need to get in place so that they have uh, a, an environment that they can actually manage. Um, I'm all for grassroots adoption initially, uh, but there's a point when you have a an amount of users that are on the plan on the, the platform that you need to start putting some um you know uh, policies and procedures in place to allow you to manage the platform better and you know so many of the companies that they came in and, and i and i still see this that they um they're they're using teams as their meeting and chat tool. And that's it. They don't even use any of the collaboration, the actual teams capabilities. Um, and that's, that is, that is shifting, you know, that now instead of storing a document somewhere else, you know, they're putting those documents in teams and also that's happening over time, but, um, it's, um, it's an evolution um, of the technology with that. So I'm sorry, I, lo I completely, completely <laughs> lost the question. No, no it, it, it's a good point. So I guess, you know, if you've, you know, if Teams has just been thrown in and you're really letting your, 
what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a lot of uh, the tail wagging the dog, right? Where you have your users who are really they're they're using Teams, but there's no there's no top down saying, well, here's the best practices you should be following. Here's how you can really get the most out of Teams. And to your point, there's so little governance about it, right? Throwing all this data into it. They might not be throwing data into it because they might just be using it for chat and voice. Uh, but if they're starting to use the SharePoint online capabilities of it, they've got so much data up there. And with all these regulations now around how long you're allowed to hold data, to your point, I guess the governance is really where you need to start getting a, a grasp of what you've thrown into your organization. Yeah, I think it's important, even in terms of, I mean, we went through the, the model. We went through all of this with SharePoint, okay? And... Mm. You know, especially when 2007 hit in terms of, you know, okay, so now we've got to put some governance in this to, to manage the growth of it. So things like how how does a new team get provisioned? How does a new team get named? What are the policies that are associated with that team? Um, you know, in addition to things like who has access to it, but it also gives you uh, the opportunity to be able to get ahead of uh, the curve with some of this. That if, if somebody's asking to create a new team, instead of, you know, just using the out-of-the-box provisioning where, it, autom it you know, it just spins up the new team, you have a custom process in place that you can say, okay, how many documents are you going to store? What type of documents? What's the size of the documents? And if somebody puts in, you know, okay, you know, most of my documents are videos and they're four gig files and, you know, it's like, okay, so that needs to be handled differently than somebody that's putting, you know, you know, one megabyte Word documents in into it. And but to have that information up front gives, you know, both IT and companies the opportunity to get in to manage how it's stored. So maybe something like that isn't everything doesn't go into a single team. Maybe it's actually split across multiple teams. Um, so you have the opportunity to do that, you know, get in front of it with those. You can also apply templates and all as part of that process that where, you know, um, somebody's creating a new sales site and you've already got one that's that's used. So instead of, you know, starting from scratch again, you know, use the existing one as a template because, you know, like sales regions. You, OK, you got a top level sales site, but then typically the regions are all the same. Um, so, you know, you can leverage something like that as a template and. So you can put a provisioning and process in place as part of the governance to help you get in front of some of that. Um, but I think that's, um, you know, where, you know, it's, I just see companies heading with teams is that um, as it starts bringing in more of those other capabilities from either SharePoint platform and all that they've got to, they've got to get ahead of it with governance um, so that they can manage the environment more. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the templates there. I was going to say that's such a useful tool because you can customize them. And the one that I see being used quite often is the project. So when a user wants to spin up a new project, they mm -hmm. can, you know, either request a project type team, which would be a template. It'd be provisioned with apps, uh, channels. So it's, it just builds itself essentially. Um, so the user doesn't have to worry about, oh, I need to go and add a tab and I need to add the right site if I'm already using SharePoint and, and so on. So it's, yeah, it's definitely quite a useful tool, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it all depends on how you use them, but I, I think the, the, I, I would agree that projects is something that, you know, most projects are run the same way. So, you know, you yeah. have 
same type of things, requirements, design, development, you know, wh whatever your project methodology is, it should be the same across each of your projects. And, you know, having a template in place to do that allows you to manage not just the, um, you know, not just manage teams as an environment, but it allows you to manage the business process so that it's consistent across all of your projects. Yeah, definitely. So just taking a bit of a turn then um, away from teams governance and I'd just I'd be interested to know because you you have quite a lot going on um, in terms of all the things that you are involved with. You, there's your blog, there's obviously running organizations, conferences, you speak at a lot of conferences as well. Right. So <laughs> it's quite a huge amount of stuff that you're involved in uh, in the community. So it would just be great to know how's your work life balance? Do you <laughs> find do you do you struggle with that? Is that do you find Viva actually helps with that and Teams or be good to know how you manage it all. <laughs> so I actually do better managing it today. And I think I think technology has played a, a positive role in helping manage it. And, um, you know, Peter Drucker had a quote. Um, um, what is it? What 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 gets measured gets managed. Um, so basically, if you have visibility into something, it's easier for you to manage it. And I think that's just really relevant with this and the technology that, you know, people a lot of times they don't think about how many hours they're actually working and all. But if you have that in front of you and you have visibility into that information, um, you know, how many hours, you know, people think of their nine to five day. Well, no, I don't know very many people that work nine to five days anymore, especially in the technology industry, because we're always on. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I see my phone. My phone says I got like 80% screen time. It's like, that's insane. It's like, <laughs> you know, so I spend 80% of my life looking at my phone. So, you know, having visibility to that, though, allows me to kind of say, like, you know what, I need to shut this off. And um, so I, th I think it's relevant from that perspective um, in terms of just managing. Yeah. I think there's some tools that are useful. That's where Viva comes in. So you obviously get to see, all right, I've actually had loads of meetings outside of work. Um, and it will also tell you things, you know, how quickly you respond to emails. You've responded to every email within half an hour. You know, you don't need to do that. Email's not for an urgent thing. It's you would use a Teams chat for something urgent, you know, than an email. So it can wait. Um, so I think I find that quite useful and I'm like, oh, well, at least I know I'm quick at answering emails, but <laughs> so exactly. probably, not a, probably not a good thing. And you can turn off on your mobile, you can turn off uh, notifications on Teams as well after dinner time or a certain time. I think that's a, a handy. I don't do it, but <laughs> I, should. <Yeah. laughs> I should do my own advice. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, having access to that information allows you to kind of, you know, make decisions based on it in terms of what you're doing. I mean, did you? Did you did, like? I don't respond to emails within five minutes. I'd be shocked if I seen that. And you know, that would be something that you know would be important. Is if I'm spending a lot of time responding to emails, that you know, to to be able to vis have that visibility to it, because um, you know, even even in terms of your focus time, how do you get anything done yeah. if you're responding to emails that quickly all the time? So being able to shut that off. Um, is important. And I think that's where the technology is really, that's where it's intended. That's the function it's intended to serve. 
um, which is to the employee's benefit. So, you know, the employee experience platform, you know, it's, you know, they, they called it insights. And I think insights is really is a, is a, is a good word for it because, you know, there's, there's things that you're doing that you don't actually realize it, but as that gets tracked, it allows you to make better decisions. Um, you know, insights has two components too, or more than two components, but you've got, we've been talking primarily about the personal component of it, but you've got the managers and the leadership components of it too, which allows them to drive, you know, how they make decisions across the business better. So it's not just, it's, you know, if they see their employees are spending a lot of times, um, in meetings on Saturdays, as an example, well, why, you know, we didn't, we didn't even know that was happening, but now that can be surfaced up so that the companies can do things like, well, what's Microsoft got no meeting Fridays or something like that um, to allow people to kind of, you know, get some focus time and shut down before the weekend so that they can actually, you know, enjoy the weekend time. Yep. Yeah. No, it's it's a good shout. And we, we uh, spoke on uh, the last episode with Stephen L. Rose about that. Uh, no meetings Friday afternoon. I think as they kind of have that company-wide initiative, and it's a good point because if you're, you know, if you're working and you're in quite intensive work and meetings until six o'clock on a Friday night, it's still going to take you a wee bit more time to wind down, right? And it goes back to that point about how companies can not always practice what they preach when it comes to work-life balance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, is there anything then in terms of talking about work-life balance what is it that you like to do in your spare time do you have any hobbies or is it primarily teams and viva and conferences and (laughs) so i would say i have two two things in my life that control actually the majority of my time and um you know one is my family i have four children and my wife and i love to spend time with them and um, I actually had the opportunity before I got between my SharePoint days and my team's days, I took about two years off and, um, you know, spent the, that time helping my wife raise our family. So it was a, a, a good break and a good way to change up between things also. Um, but, you know, I spend a lot of my time training for triathlon races and wow. I love doing the Ironman races and that type of, so I spent a lot of time running and biking and swimming. And, you know, if you can always usually find me in one of those three places, you know, with wow. so, but that's kind of how I get my day started is that's what I do first thing in the morning. And then, um, you know, I, uh, I, and then I transition into to work stuff. Nice. Awesome. How, how, uh, I, I've tried to do the whole uh, exercise thing before work. Not, didn't work out so well. How do you uh, find it? Is it something that you had to kind of learn to do, or did it come quite naturally to yourself? Um, so initially, I mean, I, I would have said at one point that it was it was it was a difficult adjustment to make, but I went through a period of time that were and um, a few years ago that. Um, I, I started a diet that was a, uh, basically a juice fast diet and I lost like 65 pounds on that diet. And oh, yeah, wow. and it was a, well done. <laughs> yeah. So as part of that, I basically adjusted everything in my life 
And I, you know, I, I made the decision that, okay, so I'm getting up by 4.30 in the morning and I'm going to be at the gym at five and I'm going to either, you know, swim, run or bike, you know, and that's when I, when I made that change in terms of the diet, um, I, and now I basically, I'm basically plant-based vegetarian at this point that, that allowed me to like adjust my schedule during the day so that, you know, instead of being up till one o'clock in the morning, focusing on, you know, writing code or doing something for customers, you know, it's like, okay, so I got to get up. So I got to go to bed at a reasonable time. And, you know, after the kids go down, I'm not too far behind them essentially. Uh, do, you so find, do you find that helps with productivity and work? Do you find you have a better work day when you do exercise in the morning? I absolutely do. I think that's a great question too, is, you know, they, the, 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 I, I just, I, I personally, I feel so much better even throughout the day, but you know, initially I've got a lot more energy first thing in the morning and to take, you know, an hour of every morning and spend that time instead of sleeping, you know, to that, that time, spend that time at the gym. Um, when I come out of it, I feel a lot much better, much better. I feel a lot more energy and, you know, I, I feel better now than I did, you know, in the days before doing it because I was, you know, it's like how many, how many, bowling balls was I carrying around with that extra weight. And all. So, um, you know, uh, there was a point in time where like I couldn't run, I couldn't run down my street. And, you know, as that weight started coming off, it's like, okay, well, I can walk down the street now. Now I can jog down the street. Now I can run down the street. I got to the point where I was running like seven minute miles and nice. that like, just like totally blew me away, you know? So um, I, 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 think a routine schedule that involves getting up early makes you much, much more productive and have a, a better day because you sleep better too at night. You're tired. Yeah. yeah. I know that uh, I, I, you might, because because you're an early riser, one of the famous kind of early risers is Jocko Willink, who also has a podcast. And every day on Instagram, he posts a picture of his kind of Casio digital watch at like 4 a.m., and he says that's to hold me accountable because if I don't post this every single day on Instagram, I'm going to get called out for it. And I thought yeah. that was quite a cool little uh, accountability yeah, check, idea. right? Yeah, I, I should start doing that. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll hold you to it. Clive yeah, yeah, we'll hold you podcast. To it. We'll be checking in to make sure. Yeah, I do. I, I I do find that. So I I've got uh, I have kids, but I've got my dog who's basically my child, and he gets me up in the morning. So I I and I've gone on myself as well, a bit of a weight loss journey this year. Uh, I've not lost as much weight. I've lost twenty seven pounds since January. Um, oh, so it's a slow slow process, but I've started doing weights, and I have totally agree. I find. I take my dog out for a walk and then I come home and I only do like 20 minutes, half an hour of weights um, in the morning. But once I've done that, I get shower, get ready and I sit at my desk and I feel like, yeah, I feel a lot better myself. I've got it done for the day. Um, I feel happier. So I definitely agree with you doing it in the morning, although it's like, oh God, can't be bothered. Um, the feeling is is definitely worth it. So um, the only thing is, I I've gone, I've doubled the weights, and I've overestimated because I couldn't even pick them up. So I'm, <laughs> I'll need to slow. <laughs> I bought them yet. I think arrived today, and I was like, oh god, <laughs> I could really pick up one. I might have yeah overestimated. I was like, oh look, I've got muscles now, and then yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not as strong as I think I am, but 
um yeah, so we'll see what happens with that I might yeah. come back michelin man <laughs> yeah that's i mean that's great and that, that's <laughs> it um i've just a lot of things that have happened as a result of that that are positive um and i think just having that structure and doing that and making yourself go through and do that um i i can't like like specifically say this happened because of that but you just feel better throughout the day and you know you feel like you have more energy and um you know it, it's like i was i you know i i felt like i was falling asleep you know like in, in the afternoon let alone you know at night now it's like you know i'll go out and I, I can i can go out i can run i can bike i can swim first thing in the morning and you know really like put a lot of energy into that exercise but when i come out of it i actually feel better and have a better day then at eight o'clock at night i might be ready to go to bed so instead of like i said instead of staying up all night but you you know you you've got it's just better time i don't know how else to say it yeah. it's like you know it's quality of quality of sleep quality of time quality you know during the day and all is just much much better as a result yeah, definitely. Awesome. We were Good speaking stuff. to another guest, um, Rennie, who was ready, who was saying that he goes out running. So all we're doing in this podcast is just everybody needs to exercise more and more. Yeah. <laughs> that's our, that seems to be our running theme. Yeah. <laughs> to get out there and get exercising uh, for a tech podcast. <laughs> I think COVID plays a role in that, though, too, you know, because of, you know, so many people, you know, okay, so, you know, we always in our field, we spent a lot of time behind the screens and everything. But, you know, when COVID hit, it, it even made it worse because now you weren't doing any type of traveling and all. But you had a whole new group of people that, you know, didn't spend so much time behind the screens that now are. And, you know, it just. It, there's a lot more focus on health and wellness as, yeah. as a result uh, of it. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. To switch gears rather rapidly and uh, close out the show with kind of, I'll be honest, what's become a bit of a running gag joke uh, <laughs> question on the show. <laughs> close this off on a positive note, talk about important stuff. Uh, we ask every guest if they have seen them of the Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 movies, which is your favorite? Oh, I'll be back. Definitely, <laughs> definitely Terminator 1. That was Yay! epic, iconic. <laughs> Um, um, it was that, that was, that was my favorite. I've seen them all, but, um, I think Terminator one's probably the only one that I've seen multiple times. So where the others were like, right. you know, I went in and see them. Okay. It's a good movie, but you know, just yeah. always go back to Terminator one. See, I haven't seen it in so long. I'll need to go back and watch it. I'm in the Terminator <laughs> two camp, uh, okay. but I think I'm outnumbered. <laughs> by far, Terminator yeah. One always seems to win. Yeah, judging by Cat's reaction, I think I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm very, very happy about that. I'm I was Terminator <laughs> One, and then you, you, you and Pete were like, "What?" Everyone said two, and I'm like, "No." <laughs> so every yeah. time a guest says Terminator One, I'm very pleased. <laughs> yeah, I, I think just um, I, I think just Arnold Schwarzenegger and the. the the way he played the role of the Terminator in the first one, um, you know, with some of the, the, the things like that comment, I'll be back. It's just, they're just 
they stick in everybody's head. They're just unforgettable as part of it. And, you know, I'll switch things up, you know, like I see, you see it with the Rocky series too. You know, there's mm. just um, certain things that just stick out and are, you know, very memorable about that. And I think I'm, I think I'm kind of in the, uh, the case though, too, of, you know, a sequel could never match, match the first one with it too. Because if you ask me on the Rocky series, like which one was the, you know, which was my favorite out of that, I would have said one in that case also. Um, but that was filmed here in Philly. So that also has, I was going to say like, slight bias. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's true though. Rocky one, what a film, what a film. And one of the best endings ever, just because it's, it was, I feel like in a lot of these, big hollywood movies now it's like then you have to send everyone home happy right whereas in rocky one it was no this is about a story and it's about yeah. how you don't always have to win right yep so, yeah yeah great yeah, film. great underdog underdog story for sure yeah for sure awesome so i guess we better close out the show so what we'll do is we'll put in the links to your linkedin your twitter if you use it so that everyone can find you and we'll absolutely link to teams day online but just to close out the show do you want to remind everyone where they can find you online and how they can sign up for teams day sure so both for, first thank you both for having me um i was looking forward to this for a long time thank you so much for uh inviting me to join you today um teams10x.com is the easiest way to remember it that's the um the site for the registration and um, you know, from there, you can basically link into all the information about the schedule and the uh, session, speakers, all the details of, of the event. Great stuff. We'll include that in the show notes so that everyone can go away and sign up and we'll promote it on Twitter and all that stuff. That's great. Thank you. Russ, Kat, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you until next time, hopefully. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thank it. You. Bye. Take care. Cheers, Bye -bye. guys. Bye.